I am the heat of your hearth on the cold winter nights, the friendly shade screening you from the summer sun, and my fruits are refreshing draughts quenching your thirst as you journey on. I am the beam that holds your house, the board of your table, the bed on which you lie, and the timber that builds your boat. I am the handle of your hoe, the door of your homestead, the wood of your cradle, and the shell of your coffin. I am the bread of kindness and the flower of beauty. Yea, who pass by, listen to my prayer, harm me not. That's a poem called The Forest from the Portuguese Prayer of the Woods. If you do the, the uh, what was the name of the trail, Kelly? The Upper Bluffside Trail. Yeah, if you do the Bluffside Trail, uh, the upper and lower, uh, you will come across that poem out in the woods if you visit Front Neck State Park like we did last weekend. So what do you uh, what do you have to tell us about the, the kind of general factoids of this park, Kelly? Hey, adventurers. So the factoids about this park, it was initially there was agitation to start making it into a state park back in the 1930s. I couldn't find any information on why it took so long, but Frontenac State Park officially became a state park in 1957. This park is about an hour and 15 minutes out of the Twin Cities in sort of the Redwood area. Redwood. Red Wing area of the state. I wish we had redwoods here, but in the Red Wing area of the state, so uh, right along the river with Great Bluffs overlooking the Mississippi, right, David? Yep. So this park has a ton of hiking trails. There's 13 miles of hiking trails. There is a mile of wheelchair accessible trails along with a mile of paved trail for bike. There's some horse trails. In the winter, there's about six miles of excuse me, nine miles of, of groomed ski trails. Yeah, um, this was my second time visiting Front Neck. The last time we were there, I think it was only October, but I remember there were a couple inches of snow on the ground. And I believe we did the hiking club trail kind of inadvertently. I don't think we had yet joined. <laughs> we hadn't yet joined the hiking club. We were kind of vaguely aware that it was a, a thing you could join and, and get points and get little uh, nifty patches and things like that as you go along. Yeah, we we, we didn't uh, seek out to hike it the last time we were there. We just kind of ended up on the, the prairie trail that is what the, uh, the hiking club trail at this park consists of. So, but this time around, we did about three miles of hiking, uh, as previously mentioned, on the upper and lower bluffside trails, which... Woofda! <laughs> yeah, this will be, be our first, uh, you know, difficult trail that we've hiked since we started the podcast. Uh, we, we, we've done a few... The last couple years, but not since we started, you know, you know, documenting our experiences with uh, Adventure Within Reason, which, by the way, we forgot to introduce. This is, I believe, episode 15 of Adventure Within Reason. So welcome, everybody. You know, you know the score. You didn't just randomly click on a podcast. You know, you, you know what you're listening to. So we're not going to beat ourselves up too much for uh, substituting a poem for our, our normal sort of pat intro. By the way, what did you think of that poem, uh, Kelly? I really loved it. I thought it was beautiful. It was really cool that, um, you know, ha had we not started on the side of the Bluffside Trail that we did, we would have read that first, which I don't know, maybe maybe that's uh, just as well. But it was kind of nice that we got to, we, we saw that poem as we were wrapping up our, our three-mile hike uh, last weekend. I certainly needed a pause to read it because we were in the midst of hiking up 425-odd steps and uh, I was pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it goes without saying, I, I, I hope that this is not a trail that is uh, advisable to hike in the winter. That's just my two cents. I, I don't care how much uh, you know nice equipment you have, what your trekking poles are like. I recommend avoiding this trail if it's, uh, if it's not spring or summer or maybe early fall. Because I, 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 frankly, I just think it's too dangerous to get out on a trail like this when it's slippery and, and, and icy and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but for, for summer, you know, it's, it's July as we record this. Um, it was July last week too, right? Yeah. We actually did this trail 4th of July weekend. Four, that's right. It was on the, the 2nd of July. Maybe? This, yep. The 2nd yeah, we, of July. So, um, yeah, if you're there in the warmer months, I really recommend checking out this, this trail. If you're, if you're looking for something a little bit more challenging, I think it's worth it. It's, it's nice to get the exercise, like, you know, to put it in prosaic terms, but uh, we had, there are also some other perks. We found a, a, a black raspberry bush on the trail. We did, and it was just starting to have ripe black raspberries, so I kind of freaked out. I was really excited about that. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, as we've mentioned in previous episodes that, you know, you, you want to be respectful. You don't want to be greedy when you come upon something you, you can forage in a state park. It's not against the rules to, to forage for personal use, but you know, don't don't pick berries for your neighbor Jerry back home or, or your or your, co- your cousin Agatha. Just just take take a handful and just you know appreciate them and just mosey along. You know, leave some for other hikers, leave some for for animals. Um, I'm sure I'm sure there are bears. There are probably bears at Front Neck that eat those berries, right? Or do you think we're too far south for bears? I don't actually know. Well, there's gotta be there's gotta be some some kind of. Uh, some kind of creature out there other than man, other than human that, <laughs> that eats those berries. So just have a few and, and uh, don't, don't, uh, don't overindulge. Um, but it's always nice when you find some raspberries or some, uh, what, what, are, what, are, what are some other good berries you find out there? Oh, I found uh, June berries at um, Fort Snelling last. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of at the, kind of at the, there's like a stretch between um, Minnehaha Falls Park like right as you're getting into Fort Snelling proper, where there are a couple of Juneberries right right at the, the head of the trail there. What are some other what are some other foraging opportunities that you might find at Front Neck or or, or a state park just kind of at the same uh, same region? This is actually really exciting because part of what I wanted to talk about today, David, we didn't actually plan this, but part of what I wanted to talk about today was, dear listeners, you know me, I'm always on the lookout for wildflowers and I'm learning to identify flowers and edible plants as we go through this hiking process, this state park process. And David, I actually found out, found a plant that is edible that I didn't know was edible on the trail. And it is yellow wood sorrel. And it is, uh, the entire plant is edible from the flowers to the stems and the leaves to, to the seed, po- seed pods, excuse me. And it is called uh, sour lettuce, I think is what a lot of foragers call it, because it is a little bit bitter. I don't think you'd want a whole salad made out of this unless you're the kind of person who's an arugula enthusiast. Very cool. Maybe this is as, as good a point as any. I can go into my birding report uh, as long as we're talking about, you know, about uh, these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, most, of the birding, most of the birds we saw at this park, we saw like in the first uh, half hour. I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Kelly has really bad luck when it comes to pileated woodpeckers, which are the uh, the really big woodpeckers that you see around this part of the country. I see them pretty frequently, even here in the city. If I go over to Robert's Bird Sanctuary, I will often, any time of year, there's a pretty good chance I'll see a pileated woodpecker or two. But Kelly, you tend to always be like tying your shoe or in the bathroom or something when one comes by and you often miss them. Yeah, we were we were getting to the the beginning of the of the trail, the upper bluffside trail. And the first bird that kind of greeted me on the on our on our adventure for the day was an uh, an eastern phoebe, which we've talked about them before. They're they're the kind of cute little songbirds that, with the hyperactive tails. And so I kind of watched him for a minute or two, and I sort of rested my arms on this like wooden uh, wooden railing while Kelly was uh, using the facilities. And about a fifty or hundred feet, maybe into the woods, deck down down into the woods, I very briefly saw a pair of pileated woodpeckers. 
And then they were, you know, as, as soon as I saw them, they were gone. They were off doing their thing. And then, of course, that was when Kelly made her appearance, her reappearance. <laughs> and I said, oh, Kelly, you won't believe what you missed. And I think you probably knew who, who it was that you had missed because you often, for whatever reason, you've been cursed. I don't know. Yeah. the I've had one pileated, two pileated woodpecker sightings in the almost two years that we've been hiking together. Mm. One was your first hike, I think, at Nurstrand Big Woods. We saw that pileated yeah. fly overhead. Yeah. And then the second one was at Whitewater where we had actually climbed so high up into the bluffs that we were above where the pileated was flying and we got to see him flying underneath us. Have we done a Whitewater episode? No, we haven't. Okay. Um, yeah, oddly enough. Yeah. I, yeah. For whatever reason, we haven't done a... We, we, we must have been there before we started the podcast, right? Yeah, sometime last fall and then the previous it, oh, year wow. we had had a misadventure in the winter. Yeah, that must have been right... That must have been right before we started the podcast because it, it, it feels like yesterday that we were there because that was the same day we did um, what's the one with all the stuff? John Latch. John Latch. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't wait to go back to John Latch. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that, that day we saw the pileated at Whitewater. That was last summer, I guess, or last fall. Yeah, we were we were uh, above him and we and he was soaring, you know, pretty high up in the sky. But we were just like maybe thirty feet higher. And it's you know, the only time in my life I've seen a pileated flying, you know, from a vantage point above him, which was just pretty cool. They look like dinosaurs. You know, when you hear people talk about how birds are modern day dinosaurs, okay, most of the time they look like birds. Pileated, for whatever reason, my imagination can make the leap from birds to dinosaur yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, I think there's something about just the size of them because, uh, you know, people say that about great blue herons as well, a bird we see pretty often. Uh, even here in the city, you'll see someone, you'll see one just flying. I, I see him driving the bus all the time, just flying over downtown because they're on their way to, you know, one body of water or another. Wait, the great blue herons are driving the bus. Is that what I said? <laughs> no, I, I meant, I, maybe, maybe I, maybe I misspoke. I meant while I'm driving the bus, I will often, you know, gaze, gaze toward the heavens and see a, you know, this bird or that bird. And yeah, it's not rare to see a great blue heron fly over. And I, I always think, uh, you know, the way their legs kind of stick out behind their body, even when they're in flight, it just looks like a like a like a dinosaur, like a little pterodactyl or something. Yeah. But anyway, um, not much else. And, and by way of a birding report this time, uh, except for one, um, a, a little ways uh, down the trail, uh, shortly after I saw the pileated woodpeckers, Kelly and I both saw a yellow-bellied sapsucker, which are pretty cool uh, woodpeckers. They've got kind of a little um, uh, a splash of red on like their their neck or a kind of upper breast. Yeah, they, 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 they're about, the, I would say about maybe the size of, of a northern flicker, maybe maybe slightly smaller than a northern flicker. Other than that, I think all we saw were maybe some some white-breasted and nuthatches and then maybe some robins and things like that. So um, nothing nothing too exciting as far as the birding report goes, but it's always good to see any of those guys out there. So, David, do you want to talk about the birds we saw when we were there in October and it was snowing? Um, I believe we saw last time we were there, that was... God, was that the year before last? It was 2020. That was, yeah, yeah winter of 2020. Yeah, well, I remember uh, we were hiking, maybe, was it like mid-October? There was already snow on the ground, and we got to, um, we, sort of, we, we, we sort of found this pond off the prairie, the prairie trail, and uh, we spotted uh, one or two or three cedar waxwings, I think. It was a whole flock of cedar waxwings, was it more than, as I remember it. It was yeah. more than just a few? Okay. We also saw eastern bluebirds there, I think. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, summer of 2021 was kind of a bad year for Eastern bluebirds because of all the, uh, all the wildfires we had. It really, it really interfered with their breeding. So I have yet to see an Eastern bluebird this year. Um, they're not gone, but I think their numbers have kind of dwindled a little bit. 
Uh, I think what I've read and some of the, you know, burning periodicals that I, I sort of pay attention to is that they are kind of making a, a comeback, but it might be a year or two before they're they're kind of back up to the levels they were at the last time we were seeing a lot of them, which was 2020. They're birds that uh, subsist mostly on insects, as far as I know. Um, so you tend to see them a lot, like if you're hiking a, like a prairie trail during the summer or into the fall, you'll see a lot of bluebirds, uh, especially if they if the park has put up bluebird houses for them. But even if they haven't, you'll see them out there looking for insects. So yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, Eastern bluebirds again. So it's the, the bird of my home state, Missouri. If you don't know, your state has a has a state bird. So and if you're listening to this and you're not in Minnesota, a little homework assignment for you. Look up what your state bird is, because then maybe uh, maybe it's a bird you don't know much about and you can you can learn. Unless you're from Wisconsin, in which case I'll just spoil it for you. Your state bird is the robin because we're boring. Oh, I thought it was the mosquito. Wackity schmackity doo. <laughs> so that's that's the burning report this time around, everybody. Other than that, it was, yeah, like I said before, it was really nice to do this trail. Should we maybe, other than advising people not to do the, the bluff land or the bluff, I'm sorry, the bluff side trail in this, in the winter, what else would you, what else would you recommend to people about this trail? Just a good pair of boots. I would, I mean, I don't know. Do you think you should bring trekking poles with you even, even this time of year? I really wished that we had trekking poles. And part of the problem is that my balance is not right. And I am a tripper. Uh, because I'm not frequently looking where I'm putting my feet. So uh, uh, it would be nice to have tracking poles, especially because the descent on this one, because you go from pretty high up on the bluffs to almost river level, and the descent is, depending on which way you come, either stone steps, stone and wooden steps, or it's just straight up wooden steps. So something to help you balance would be really nice, I think. Yeah, it's a really how I would describe this trail is I would say it's a lot of very technical hiking, a lot of looking where you're putting your feet because of tree roots or stones or loose stones or just the changes in elevation. It's it's a great trail. It's a really fun one to hike. Yeah, it's you know, as, as I said before, I think it's good to be challenged from time to time. Um, I will say a, a positive remark about the the side of the bluff side trail that is uh, stone steps. I think I only encountered two out of what? What do you think? A couple hundred? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I only remember encountering two out of whatever that total number is that were a little bit wobbly. It seemed to be in pretty good shape. So I don't know if that was a CCC project or something maybe more recent, but uh, whoever put in those steps did a pretty good job as far as I could tell. Oh, I just remembered an anecdote. Speaking of trekking poles, this is a good, I, I hope this doesn't sound too, too catty, but um, we, we encountered uh, a couple other fellow hikers out there who were using trekking poles. Just talking about trekking poles just now uh, reminded me of this. Uh, at one point, I, was, I had stopped to watch what I was pretty certain was a small flock of Baltimore Orioles. Uh, incidentally, I, I never got a positive confirmation, which is why I didn't, didn't include Orioles in my birding report. But I'm pretty certain that's what they were. And so I was trying to look through the foliage with my binoculars and, and get a positive, you know, visual ID on these. And uh, one of the gentlemen with the trekking pole stopped and, you know, asked what I was looking at. And I told him, oh, yeah, you know, I think I'm, I see some Baltimore Orioles. And there was just kind of a, a short pause. And then he, he looked to his friend and just said, uh, I think the twins beat the Orioles the other night, right? And then they just, they, <laughs> they kind of just, like, didn't say anything else to me, just kind of, you know, uh, ventured away. And I thought, okay, I'm. I didn't, um, I didn't win these guys over to birding, but they, you know, they, they heard the word and then they just immediately, their minds went to, to baseball. So I don't know. I, I wish I could have that passion for, 
for, for baseball, but I'm, I'm a very casual baseball fan. David, that actually brings me to something that I wanted to talk about and had forgotten about for today. And that's, you said something in your solo episode about Fort Snelling that really hit me as I was editing it. And it was about how we don't go to state parks to escape other people. And I thought that that was a really interesting comment because I will admit, I definitely go to state parks to escape other people. We live in a city. We are pretty well stacked on top of one another in our neighborhood, in our apartment building, and really just getting away from other people was, has been a main driver for me to get out to state parks. And it was interesting thinking about that while we were at Frontenac because we left a little later than we normally do. And it's a pretty popular park. Yeah. And we were on a very popular trail. So we saw quite a few people while we were hiking. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to be reminded. I think that, you know, everyone has their own, their own reasons and motivations for getting out to the park. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell that anecdote a moment ago is like, from a place of judgment like it's perfectly fine if you're just going out there to to you know hang out with your butt or I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is um it would have been nice if that guy had had shared my passion for birding but everyone has different interests and different passions and it's it's okay that he didn't care that you know we were in the midst of uh, these gorgeous birds you know when I said Baltimore Oriole his mind just went to Major League Baseball and that's fine Every, everyone is out at, at these parks appreciating them for different reasons and it's uh, so sometimes you might encounter someone who they might you might, you know, see something they're doing that maybe might spark an interest in you to pursue that. Or maybe you might just be reminded that, yeah, you know, everyone's out there is out here with with different interests and different um, points of um, focus. Yeah, I think it's just a good thing for me to remember. Because, like I said, I have a very, dare I say, capitalist view of state parks unintentionally, of course, but like, I don't want to see anybody while I'm here. This is my private time to be in the woods. And that's something I need to work on in myself because I want other people to enjoy the outdoors and I can't have other people enjoying state parks. I mean, that's the whole reason we're doing this podcast, right? Is to share our love of state parks. And I can't have other people enjoy them and still think about them as like, this is my place that I go to escape humanity. Yeah, it's something we all kind of have to force ourselves to um, break out of. It's just that mindset of like, you know, getting out in nature and thinking of it as like an extension of your yard or like, like this is my property. I'm out here to enjoy birding or I'm out here to enjoy, you know, the, the physical exercise I get. Like, like, yeah, you can you can do all those things, but it's not just yours to to enjoy. Like the whole point is that anyone can go there. You know, as long as you're not disrespecting the park, you know, as long as, long as you're not littering or, you know, listening to music on your phone, you know, while you're walking down the trail or being obnoxious or something, you know, I, I've never, um, I, I guess I've, I've never um, wanted to think of it as like something that I'm experiencing just individually. Like I, I want to see other people out there appreciating the park and making use of the, uh, not just the trails, but the interpretive centers or whatever historic monuments are there. I want to see other people out there just taking advantage of what the parks have to offer because that's, that's the whole point, right? Is we want people to, uh, to think about their relationship with with nature in a different way. Then we tend to think about uh, our relationship to the world when we're just like in our cities or, or, in our, or in our suburban areas or whatever. You know, you wanna, you want, you, I guess the hope is that in, in appreciating the state parks, it will kind of change people's perception about things in general. Something that I've definitely noticed when we do meet other people at state parks, we have kind of fun conversations with them because they're always interested to know 
what David is looking at through his binoculars, um, or if I am in flower identification mode and I'm crouched down looking at something, people always stop to ask like, oh, is it something interesting? And I'll say sometimes, no, you know, it's just, it's just milkweed, but it's still pretty. It smells good. Or David will say, oh, I'm looking at some Baltimore Orioles or trying to get an identification. And oftentimes those leads to really interesting and fun conversations. Yeah, I remember I did a solo hike at Afton uh, last uh, September. I think it was when you were in Georgia. I think it was two two years ago. That was two years ago? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, time, incidentally, time perception has been really warped the last couple of years with COVID. But hopefully things will uh, start to feel a little bit more normal soon. Anyway, um, at some point in the past, <laughs> I was hiking. A, I was doing a solo hike at Afton State Park. And I uh, was out there birding on one of the prairie trails and I just struck up a conversation with these other two guys that were walking and it is kind of cool. It's like people were kind of, you know, Minnesotans kind of have the reputation of being a little standoffish and not, not always the most friendly or, or superficially friendly, but not actually genuinely, you know, interested in getting to know other people. And um, I find that at state parks, that's kind of the exception to the rule because I've made lots of, um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't made any permanent friends, but you kind of make friends in the moment and you share uh, your experiences. You share what you're out there looking for or trying to get out of the park. And it's a, uh, it's like a real, it's, it's just real wholesome to interact with other people. And uh, even though, you know, you're never going to see that person again in all likelihood, but for those few minutes or maybe a half hour or so you strike up a conversation, maybe you learn something or you gain some uh, bit of perspective about, about it's good. Those guys sent us to Banning, which was a park that we had been not putting off, but hadn't been high on our list. Yeah, and we went yeah. and it was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You don't have to start a podcast to recommend <laughs> uh, state parks to people. Just go to a state park and just, you know, strike up a conversation and maybe it'll, it'll kind of occur naturally. Because, yeah, that, that was um, our first year, first year and a half of hiking. You know, we decided at one point to visit Banning because those two guys I met at Afton said, oh, yeah, we think you really like this. Like there's, there's some good birding. Uh, opportunities up there too. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably never not in your interest to be friendly with people at the state park because everyone's out there doing some kind of wholesome activity or other. So it's, it's going to be good. The results are going to be good in my experience. So I was going to give a flower report for right. Well, for Frontenac, there's actually not much to talk about because we didn't do the prairie trail. Once again, guys, I'm going to try to convince you to get out into some long stem, long grass prairie, because right now that's where you'll see a lot of wildflower, mm. wildflower action. Not that wildflowers, you know, are terribly active, but that's where you'll see most things blooming because the canopies have all kind of leafed in yeah. and anything that's growing in the woods is a little bit smaller. Um, there's less of it, but you know, you can still stumble across a black raspberry bush we, when we drove in and passed the prairie, we saw milkweed, obviously, which David, it was just last week that I learned that milkweed smells really beautiful. Yeah, we'll have to try to find some. So a good general rule, I guess, is uh, spring ephemerals in the woods, and then your your real pretty summer flowers are going to be in the prairies, right? Yep. You'll okay. see thistle, black-eyed Susan, wild onion, lots of interesting things. Yeah. Some of those are pretty common even here in the city. I know I know thistle because I, I'm very fond of goldfinches, and that's um, thistle is pretty important to um, those birds for not just food but for nesting purposes as well. So well, yeah. a lot of people in our neighborhood have planted milkweed in an attempt to help the butterflies. Yeah, that's 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 great. I don't have anything else to say about the park itself. I will say that it's um, 
It's uh, it's not immediately uh, adjacent to a small town, but it is a short drive from Red Wing, Minnesota, which is um, a great place to visit. Uh, we, 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 we get down there as often as we can. And there's a, a little tap room we visit after after we've done a hike. And uh, it's, it's a great place for us to kind of, um, you know, rest and recoup and do what I like to do, which is send postcards to our listeners. So if, if you're out there listening and you want to be on our mailing list, just uh, drop us a line at, at adventurewithinreason at gmail.com. Tell us uh, whether or not you want to be on the mailing list and we can we can start sending you occasional uh, postcard updates to the mail. Or sometimes I even draw a very crude, uh, poor <laughs> drawing of a, of a bird. So like, I, I think, what did I draw on the ones we saw? Maybe, I, don't, I don't think I drew any on the ones we sent for Frontenac State Park, but when I did my solo adventure at Fort Snelling recently, if you, if you heard my solo episode, you, you, you're, you may recall me talking about the indigo buntings I saw. Um, I remember I, what I'll do is I'll just Google easy dot, dot, dot bird into, <laughs> into the internet and I will attempt to copy something and somehow it looks even uh, even lousier than you know the the original kind of crudely drawn uh, depiction of whatever bird it is I'm trying to depict. And uh, but anyway, what I'm saying is uh, a uniformed postal worker will will sort and deliver one of my my poorly drawn bird drawings to your mailbox, and we'll just <laughs> and we'll just send you like little little messages, you know, about about our adventures or or a reminder that we've got some good episodes coming up. So anyway, if you want to be on our mailing list, send us uh, a message at adventure within reason at gmail.com and we'll put you on the list. Yeah. So before we close, I want to do a quick shout out to another one of our favorite socialist programs, the Hennepin County library system, our home computer that we used for editing recently bit the dust and we're not looking to replace it or not looking to replace it now. And we found out that our neighborhood library has our editing software and all we have to do is make a recording and then I can come in and edit it. So thank you to the librarians at it's the Wabash Washburn. The Washburn. I was thinking about Wabashaw for some other reason. That's the town in Grumpy Old Men. Oh, well, I don't wasn't thinking about Walter Mondale. Nope. Walter Math. <laughs> oh, oh for two. <laughs> oh boy, it's a good thing I'm in charge of editing this. That would have been a much different movie. Walter Mondale. Who would, who would who would be Jack Lemon in that in that, in that and that weird bizarro version. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the Washburn Library, shout out to them and the librarians there who watched me swear at a computer quietly for about two hours when I was editing our last couple episodes. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah, I'm, I'm kind of that's it's kind of cool in a way. So we'll, we'll be we'll still be recording the episodes at home uh, on our the laptop we have, but. Um, yeah, it's it's we're, we're going to be using the software at the public library, which is, or I guess you will. I'm not involved in that aspect of the, the podcast. I'm more of an ideas man. I, I, <laughs> I, I like I like Kelly do the actual the nitty gritty work. So in a way, this this podcast is maybe not really, but it's almost kind of sort of made in conjunction with the Hennepin County Library. Yeah, not in any official sense, but in the sense that we go there to do part of it. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we have some other hikes coming up this summer, so look forward to more episodes to come. Until then, adventurers, have a great hike. Have a great time in the state parks. Mm-hmm.